Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. All Scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it, God gave us a lot of Scripture. 66 books and more than 600,000 words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's Word and see how it all fits together so brilliantly, how every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes. Volume one covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while volume two takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send them to you today. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year, and this two-volume set is certainly one of them. It seems like it might be the perfect addition to any home library or a gift for a friend. I really believe it is, Brian. When I first started writing this book, I, I wrote with a serious Bible student in mind, even those who teach the Bible. I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But the further I got along into the process, I began to realize that this two-volume set is really for everyone. Uh, the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible or those that teach it. It's something that can be enjoyed as a book you read from start to finish or as a study tool. I think if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word, you will return to it repeatedly. Well, we believe it's something everyone would want to have, and that's why we're offering it to you today, friends, as our thank you for your year-end gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. And here's the good news. As you give today, the impact of your gift will be doubled up to $17,000 by generous friends of something good who are providing a matching grant. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? The answer, of course, is no one. But that doesn't stop the devil from trying everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. Today on Something Good, Ron continues his teaching series, Armored, Dressed for Victory and Spiritual Warfare. Stay with us or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, the invisible war. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17 says, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. 
and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. Again, uh, wonderful truths and uh, powerful promises in Scripture for us. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 also tells us, uh, Peter does, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Peter tells us that the devil is our adversary. He is against us because well, he's our adversary. Jesus Christ is our advocate, First John tells us. He is our defense attorney uh, arguing against the one who is against us as our adversary. And the devil is, uh, he's on the prowl, seeking someone to devour. He, he's looking for someone who's looking the other way, someone who's in a weakened state so that he can devour them. Have you ever seen a lion chase down and devour its prey? Um, it's not a pretty sight. And usually what's left is uh, just a dead carcass. And this is what the devil would like to do with you, your family, your reputation, the church you attend, with the community you live in, even the nation that we live in. The book of Revelation brings this home even more and calls the devil Abaddon, which means destruction, and Apollyon, which means destroyer. Every name of the devil given in the Bible, and there's a long list of names attributed to him. Every one of them happens, has something to do with his ability to destroy, to devour, to deceive, to cast doubt upon. He's good at what he does. <laughs> Peter compares the devil to a roaring lion. Let's think about that a little bit. Lions who roar in nature do so for a couple of reasons. First, to intimidate their prey. Secondly, to uh, claim their territory. All right? They're, ah, you know, and supposed to intimidate us. That's my territory. But I think there's something more to the analogy that Peter is giving here because one of the things that we know about the devil is he, he, he's always trying to mimic Jesus. All right? And the Bible calls Jesus among his many names, remember this, the Lion of Judah. You know, the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. And the Lion and the Lamb appear in uh, the pages of Revelation in heaven during the wonderful worship service that we see there. But when the devil roars to try to intimidate us or claim territory, it's kind of like him saying, oh, everything he can do, I can do better. No, you really can't. <laughs> Your roar is nothing like the Lion of Judah. But sometimes we're intimidated by his roar. And sometimes we give up territory that doesn't belong to him and never did, territory that was claimed by our advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in some ways, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 13 could be summarized this way. There's a devil on the loose in the heavenly realms, and you need to be aware of it. Oh, don't give him too much attention to where you think there's a devil or a demon behind every little bush or every little leaf, but don't live your life in such oblivion that you don't know, you're in a spiritual battle. There's a war in the heavenly realms. I hope I've got your attention as we begin this series. Uh, the question that I'm asking and that hopefully you're asking too is, how do we fight this battle that we're in? 
And we're going to go on in the weeks to come to talk about how to dress ourselves for spiritual battle, the specific pieces of the armor of God that Paul mentions. I'll give you a little hint. In my, my study of this passage, there is a way to link uh, the unmasked schemes of the devil with every one of these pieces of armor, as if the Lord is saying, yeah, uh, he, he's all about doubt, casting doubt. So put on the belt of truth, and so on. And it's a, it's a fascinating way. God has given us every resource that we need to successfully win the spiritual battles that we find ourselves in. But in the meantime, uh, there are just three things that these verses tell us in general about how to fight this spiritual battle. Number one, be strong. Go back to verse 10, and it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Why do we need that imperative and that command to be strong? Because the reality is, apart from the strength of the Lord, we're, we're just like 90-pound weaklings in the gym. I want you to picture for a moment, you're a 90-pound weakling. Uh, you're, you're in the uh, workout facility of um, the Alabama Crimson Tide, this national championship college football team, and you're laying down on the bench, and the bar has about 300 pounds on it, and your 90-pound weakling arms can't even budge it, and then walks over the, uh, the right tackle for the Crimson Tide. He's six foot five, 325 pounds, and he says, can I spot you? You know, and he, he, just, he just, you know, lifts it like this, and your arms are just going up and down. That's kind of the idea here. That's the picture that comes to my mind. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Remember, the devil is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful, but he's stronger than you, and he's stronger than me in and of our own strength. That's why uh, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. If you and I try to fight these spiritual battles in and of our own strength, we're, we're like 90-pound spiritual weaklings up against the devil. He'll defeat us every time. Whether it's falling prey to that besetting sin or uh, harboring that unforgiving spirit that is difficult to come about, whatever it might be. And this, of course, means that we have to uh, admit our weakness, which is hard for us to do, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're proud, uh, independent, uh, resourceful Americans. We, we don't want to think of ourselves as spiritual weaklings. But that's kind of what Jesus said to his disciples on the night before he was crucified, there in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, not once, not twice, but three times, and each time he came back and he found, found his own disciples asleep. And what did he say? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Or how about Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Or 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 27, God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. In the upper room, Jesus just said, you know, flat out to his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, oh you can try to lift and bench press the 300 pounds, but you'll fail. And that's when he said, abide in me and let my words abide in you. I'm going to put my strength in the person of the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
draw upon His strength. Up next, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And if you're listening to Something Good Radio for the first time, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Consider it our way of saying thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Click the I'm New icon at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer request with us by using the Explore feature at the top of the homepage. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. And now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Invisible War. Sometimes we have to fail over and over again in our own strength before we say, okay, Lord, you take over. I'm too weak to overcome this. I'm too weak to make this happen. Weakness is not an excuse for our sin. However, admitting our weakness is the beginning of a great discovery. I think the Apostle Paul figured this out in his letter to the Corinthians. He said, for the sake of Christ then, I'm content with weaknesses. Go back some time and read the list of things that made Paul feel weak. And then he said, for when I am weak, he's strong through me. That's the idea here. So finally, uh, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Secondly, you got to get dressed. This is where we're going in the weeks to come. Uh, Getting dressed for victory in spiritual warfare. Paul says it this way, put on the armor of God. Put it on. It's an imperative. It's a command. It suggests there's, there's a, a responsibility that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ play in this spiritual battle. You got to get up and get dressed spiritually every morning. We are children of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Lord isn't going to treat, uh, treat us like little babies, all right? Dress yourself. Put it on. I remember back um, on September 11th, 2001, we, we, we remember that, that date in infamy, as we say, when uh, terrorists attacked America. Donald Rumsfeld, if you remember, was the Secretary of Defense at that time, and following 9-11, he had the soldiers at the Pentagon wear their combat fatigues. Often they would, uh, they would wear their, their formal service uniforms at the Pentagon. Rumsfeld said no come in your combat fatigues, as a reminder that we were at war. And that was the posture at the Pentagon for many, many years until um, Robert Gates became Secretary of Defense during the Obama Obama administration and returned them to wearing their uh, formal service uniforms. Uh, What I'm saying is that the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, that's our combat uniform. You never take it off. We're in an invisible war, and there's, there, there's never a ceasefire from the devil's perspective. The Pentagon goes to great lengths to suit up a soldier for battle in a theater of war. Uh, soldiers need the right uniform, and they must also have the best gear to help them fight in their battles and survive injury and avoid death. And getting dressed for uh, spiritual war, or any war for that matter, is not about fashion. It's about readiness 
And God has given us every, every piece of the armor to wear and the weaponry we need to put on the whole armor of God and to uh, dress ourselves uh, every day. Uh, the pieces of the armor, and again, we'll look at these in detail in the weeks to come, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, gospel boots, we might call them, a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation, a sword of the Spirit to take up. And then he uh, closes out by talking about the role of prayer, warfare prayer, we might call it. It'll change your prayer life to think about it in the context of the invisible war that we are in. So um, get dressed and be strong. Thirdly and finally, stand against. We'll just come back to that, that phrase. And it, it appears uh, several times in the verses here, verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. That's verse 13. Verse 14 takes us into the first piece of the armor. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Don't sit down. Don't lay down. This is not a time to do that. Stand up and face the battle and face the enemy. The idea here is that we face our enemy and the challenges he puts before us. No soldier is uh, ever effective in battle while sitting down or lying down. And we cannot live the Christian life in victory while running in defeat. Now look at the pieces of the armor carefully. Not one of them is for our backside because the idea is we're facing our adversary. We're not running in retreat. So be strong, get dressed, stand against, and then we're going we're gonna to learn to clothe ourselves uh, every day. Let me just uh, finish our time together with some lyrics that date back in the church to uh, the early 1500s, penned by none other than Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer of the church. And I I'm sure he had all of this and then some in mind, Ephesians 6, Daniel 10, other places in Scripture when he wrote these words, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing, dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled that should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Now here's the encouragement. Jesus Christ has already won the victory for us. Through his death upon the cross and his triumphant resurrection from the grave, the devil is a defeated foe. But he roars, 
He intimidates. He tries to take back territory that doesn't belong to him. And unless we're dressed and ready and prepared for spiritual battle, we let it happen. And we act more like victims rather than the victors that we are in Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and this sounds very strange to you, just take it by faith that when I say, apart from Christ, you are a POW in the devil's camp. But Christ came to set you free. Uh, he, he came to set the captives free, to release all of those Guantanamo-like POWs the devil has imprisoned and is in bondage. And the good news is if you come to the cross of Christ by faith in the Lord Jesus, he will set you free. You'll be free indeed. And that'll be the greatest day of your life, the day he sets you free. And then from that day forward, welcome to the war, the battle that is before us, that is waging right before our very eyes, but beyond the scope of the naked eye, there's something waging that only the spiritual eye can see, that we only know by faith because we open up the pages of the only trustworthy revelation of God, this book called the Bible, that tells us the truth about the real war, the invisible war that we're in. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good radio message, The Invisible War. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, I know you include some of the specifics about this invisible war in other parts of this series. But for now, let's talk a little further about the general idea that an invisible war actually exists. You know, Brian, you said it yourself in yesterday's Open to Part 1 of this message. The greatest trick the devil has ever pulled off was convincing the world he doesn't exist. So before we even get into the specifics of our spiritual battle gear, the very first step in fighting this war and winning this war is admitting that we are, in fact, in a spiritual war. And so I've laid out some extensive biblical truth that we are, without a doubt, in the middle of a spiritual battle. Now, I don't think we should give Satan too much credit, but it's a big mistake to give him no credit at all. He can wreak havoc if we're not careful. He can tempt us to sin and succeed in that temptation if we're not mindful. He can drive a wedge between us and God, between us and other people, between us and ourselves if we're not diligent to guard against these things. He has been given temporary power on earth to make an attempt to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But there are two things the devil cannot do. First, he does not have any power over us as believers in Jesus Christ once this life is over. For all who are in Christ, the ultimate victory is already won. It's done. Jesus won that for us on the cross and through his resurrection. Second, Satan cannot have permanent victory over us here on earth. But that is dependent upon us putting on the whole armor of God. And we'll get into this armor in detail in the coming days, but step number one is recognizing the need for us to put it on in the first place. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts on today's message, The Invisible War. 
And Ron, we're almost out of time, but before we go, tell us what's on the menu tomorrow as we move ahead in your series, Armored, Dressed for Victory in Spiritual Warfare. Well, Brian, there's one more general message I want to share before we get into the specifics of the armor of God. And it's basically the idea we have just discussed. Satan would like nothing more than to mask his true identity from the world. He wants to make the world think he is harmless or that he doesn't exist at all. So what I want to do over the next couple of days is talk about unmasking the devil and his strategies. Uh, This is a necessary foundational message prior to getting into the individual pieces of spiritual armor. And I'll dive into that subject tomorrow right here on Something Good. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Unmasking the Schemes of the Devil. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.